Welcome to the Oceans Church Podcast. We pray that as you join us for this message, you are blessed, encouraged and empowered to bring the kingdom of heaven into your spheres of life. Uh, So um, it's my privilege to speak into Legacy this morning. Uh, um, It's my gig, I think, because I have been a pastor for over 30 years and been a Christian for over 40 years. And I remember when I was first a believer, I uh, went to a camp, and I hadn't been a believer even a year, and it was a men's camp, and there was a man there in his 70s who'd been a Christian for about 50 years. I remember looking at him and thinking, wow, there's such great hope when I see that man, because it gives me hope for the future. It means to me there's longevity in this, and uh, there is uh, the ability to keep going. And I blinked, and now I'm that man. Um, That's why I get the gig, you know, because uh, I get to talk about um, what it means to uh, invest and and have a legacy. And I just want to thank Chafin and Jess this morning for releasing me. Um, One of the problems as you get older, your filter gets less and less, and you become more and more of a risk, I think. So... (laughs) Just appreciate their courage and their boldness in releasing me. So what I want to do this morning is I just want to give you, I want to take a few areas in the Bible and talk about legacy, show you uh, some insights that I have concerning legacy from the Bible. Then I want to just talk a little bit about our own experience, a couple of stories regarding legacy, and then have a few points for you as far as living your own legacy is concerned. So that's, that's how it's going to track this morning. Uh, so, uh, legacy can be defined as something that is passed on and has a lasting impact. And I think that's how Shafe defined it last week. And others may add to that something handed down from one generation to the next. Uh, so, what I'd like to do is just focus on the fact that legacy is a good thing. And I think that's why we've got a whole series on it, because it's so important to understand that you have a legacy to contribute. So coming from Proverbs 13:22 and I believe that that's a slide, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but a sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. So what I want you to see here is a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. So the emphasis I guess is on good. So it's good and it's right that you would look to invest in future generations. That's right. But it's a, almost an evil or a wrong thing that you would just be concerned with yourself and your wealth. And in the cycle of things, when you live like that, what happens is your wealth is hard to hold on to. And in the cycle of things, it comes back to the person who's going to use it well. So this proverb just points out to us the significance and the importance of investing in future generations. And as uh, you, f- you invest in your children, uh, then they take the pattern that you've placed in them and they invest in their grandchildren. And so you have a lasting impact when you're in my situation. So four children and 12 grandchildren later, I'm able to observe a few things. Now, um, another Bible verse that I'd like to just bring to your attention is Psalm 127. It declares that children are a heritage from the Lord. So I think that that can come up and we can read that together. But the word heritage means something valuable passed down. So this is important for us to understand, I think, 
that when you want to leave a legacy, the Bible is saying children, a child is a heritage to you. A heritage means something that God has passed down to you that is valuable. So you can leave a legacy in a child's life. It's the passing of your legacy into that heritage that we have in focus concerning this Bible verse. So I'll quickly read that to you. Psalm 127 verse 3. Behold, children are a heritage and a gift from the Lord. The fruit of the womb, sorry, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. How blessed, happy, and fortunate is the man whose quiver is filled with them. They will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gatherings at the city. So uh, just an explanation of this. We've talked about what heritage is, but if we dig a little deeper in the subject of heritage, since this verse is in the Old Testament, most of the uh, relation of, of, or most of the heritage use in the Old Testament applied to the promised land. So when they were given the promised land, it was their heritage. But with it comes this idea that the land didn't actually belong to them. It was the land that God had given them. And it's the feudal idea, I guess, of having an owner of the land and then there are workers on the land who don't actually own the land, but they get to live on the land because they work it. And so we, we have that idea. And then if we bring that idea of heritage in from this Psalm 127, which is written in that same sort of ancient time, then we might say, well, if children are a heritage from, the God, from God, they're actually his gift to us. They don't actually belong to us necessarily. They've been given to us. And it comes with a requirement to work the land, to do something. And you might ask, well, what is that if you're a parent? Well, the gift of God is a precious gift to you, a valuable gift to you. That's what a heritage is. But it comes with the requirement that you would raise that child, that you would provide for that child, you would protect that child, you would train that child. And as you do that with that child, then Psalm 127 explains to us the benefit that comes to you. Because as you get older, that child becomes your provision. And that child becomes your protection. They become a defense for you. And so uh, by your investment in them, there is a return. And so can you see the love of God here? The love for the child. They have a parent who understands there's a purpose for that child. A parent who wants to invest in that child and leave a legacy in that child's life. But then there's the love of God for the parent. Because as the parent grows older and becomes less able then that child who's been well-trained steps in. And the last verse talks about how the child stands with the parent concerning the parent's enemies and speaks on behalf of the parent. So we see that there's a cycle here and expresses the love of God for both. And so we can see that um, leaving a legacy in the life of a child who has become a heritage to us is something that is a gift of God. So I want to talk to you um, just a, a little bit now about uh, within the church community. So if the, and, and as parents really, the, the whole idea of Psalm 127, if you read it, it, it it's written in ancient times. It's written when uh, families 
strong families needed were a much greater need in society. So the the um, the industry of those times was largely agricultural. So if you had more children, you had more workers to produce the food. Uh, quite often in ancient times, family fa families faced threats of very various kinds, and the children would become part of the defence for the family. So. It, Close families, strong families, is what this Psalm 127 is speaking into. Today, we don't have that same sort of circumstance, but we can still say that the Word of God is true. A child is a heritage to a parent and a church. A child is a valuable person passed on to the church community and to the family. So what does that mean when a parent has a child? Well, it, it, it has to tell, we, we have to say that that parent is blessed because it's the gift of God. It's something God, that God has passed down to them. So I noticed in Oceans, to quote Psalm 127, we're blessed, happy, and fortunate because we've got so many arrows in the quiver. Lots of kids. And I was in Children's Church last week, and uh, I think there were over 30 in there in one section, but there were. There are three other sections where the children gather as well. And uh, the children were full of life and um, very interested. <laughs> and much was going on. I can tell you a lot of energy in that room. And so we're blessed. We're happy. We're fortunate to have this. Uh, but the blessing comes with an expectation, that futile idea. And that is that we will raise, provide, protect and train those children in God's ways. And that was happening last Sunday morning when I was in there. And parents with children come to understand it's no longer just about you, your preferences, your comfort, and your priorities. But you discover that you are serving another generation and you're providing for them. Church mothers, church fathers, church grandparents are needed in the church. And again, it's the same realization. It's not about you. Other generations are a valuable gift from God and they're a heritage for our legacy. We sow into them. And so the church prospers and goes on. And I, I really like that, um, that scripture that we might bring up from Ephesians 3.21 where it says, To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. What I want you to see here is God expects to get the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus in every generation. Now, how does the generation that's growing up now that are in the children's ministry enter into the glory of God? They enter in <coughs> because the generation before them demonstrates what it is to live in the glory of God. When we're talking about glory, we're talking about honour, we're talking about respect, we're talking about reverence, we're talking about weight, um, in something. And so we introduce our children to what it means to know God and to love him and to serve him. And God's expectation is that his glory will go from one generation to the next. And so part of our legacy for those children that are now in children's church and the younger people are amongst us now is to pass on that experience we have of God, that knowing God, that reverence, that serving, that loving God that we carry. And so the, the generations continue. So it's no surprise in oceans that the next generations are a priority focus. 
And sometimes I've heard older people say, what about me? But it is about you. You get a chance to invest a legacy in a younger generation. So we've got to have this mindset. Uh, We're investing in something valuable. It is God's work and God's will that we do that and impart that to another generation. But there is a benefit. Hey, so many are taking their place in church to be a great support and defense. If you are here for a while and you look around, you'll notice how many young people are serving. Um, Part of the the legacy that, that we had when... Uh, we became pastors in 1992. Uh, our oldest child, Jessica, was 10. And uh, we came in, the pastor was leaving, left quickly. There was trouble in the church. Many people were upset. A number of adults were leaving their positions in the church. And a, a place in the overhead team uh, became vacant. In fact, we needed a leader to lead the overhead team, which is much like we've got up here, but just old style, you know, old school. And uh, so Jessica, our daughter, at the ripe age of 11 or 12, I can't remember, but became um, our overhead leader. She had a team. She had to coordinate with the, uh, with the song leader, with the songs, and, you know, get the right songs up, just like Mitchell said. Mitchell said it was his fault that that wrong song, you know, and so on. This morning he was questioning whether that song was the correct song. And Jess- it was Jessica's responsibility to train a team to get that, up. Uh, she was 11. And uh, some people would go, that's child abuse. But uh, when she stepped in to take over the leadership of the church with her husband Chafin um, two years ago, uh, some people said, well, what do they know? They're really young. No, she'd been a Christian over 30 years and she'd been on the leadership journey 25 years or 27 years. So you see how it works. Now, Jessica, I was asking about Jessica's eldest son, Oscar. He's on the roster for the cafe. I went, how old was Oscar when he first went on the Oscar? He's a bit of a veteran now. He's been around for a while. <laughs> he was 10, and he's on the roster. And if you are someone who goes to the cafe, hey, they do a great job, those kids, don't they? They, they See, they're serving. So we're... We're building, the church is building a legacy as we, as we train, as we bring these kids on, as we release these kids. Uh, it, it's exciting. So uh, that's, that's part of what we're doing. So maybe the take-home idea is generations in a church are so right. So if you're an older person, you're thinking, oh, do I belong here anymore? Of course you belong here. And if you're young and you've just come to church and you're looking around, you're going, if i got a place here, of course you have a place. Church is healthy where it has numerous generations and numerous generations are rising and people in putting... Can we give the Lord a clap? Because we live in that church. We're so blessed. We've got a quiver full of generations. We're so blessed. And each of us, this is part of the take-home idea, each of us can be like the good person in Proverbs 13, 22, who leaves a legacy here for generations by sowing our seeds and working out God's glory. So it doesn't matter if you're a parent, doesn't matter if you've never had children, you have the privilege in God's family of investing in children. You get on a, get on a roster somewhere, get alongside and encourage those generations as they rise up amongst us. So let's value the church, young and old, 
as having a place and importance in God's family, each with their story to live, revealing the glory of God. I, I really like Ephesians 2.19. It, it helps me because it gives a, a certain amount of security. It goes like this. You are members of God's family. It says, we are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. What I like about that is we are carefully joined in him, becoming what God wants us to become. You are handpicked by Jesus Christ. If you have a place in this church and you're wondering, you're looking over your shoulder, oh, do I fit here? Then if this is your home, you fit. Because Jesus Christ has carefully placed everyone. And then all you have to do is get mobilized doing your thing. Whatever that special thing is that God has given you to do. Because what you give creates health within the body. Just as we said, multi-generations are healthy. So your contribution, whatever it is in the body of Christ, in this church, creates health. And, and the, uh, the church prospers with that environment. So I love that. So... I'd, I'd like to just talk a little bit about our history now and, and maybe tell you another story about uh, legacy. Uh, and well, we began uh, to lead the pastoral, the lead pastoral role in the fellowship in November 1992. Uh, they were humble beginnings. The pastor left with short notice. There'd been trouble. People were upset. Some were quitting their roles. Church was much smaller than it is now, the building much older than this. We were very raw. We didn't know much about the task, but we knew that we were called by God. And, and I was asking Jessica about her, um, her role as an um, overhead leader, and, she said, and I said, was Joel your brother in that team? I suspect he was, and, some, and uh, he was. He, he was um, if Jessica was 11, he was 10. And it was his first gig, he said. I remember saying that, hearing that one time uh, in, in serving. Uh, but Jessica said she'd asked a number of adults to get involved in the overhead team, and they were all praying about it. So she ended up getting, uh, she getting Sian Halsell, um, 11, um, Joel Beatty, 10. I think the other siblings were a bit young, Jess. She probably didn't get Marie at that time. Uh, but you, you can see that um, we, the, the church environment was one where Jessica could find a place. And so after 14 years of pastoring uh, and some success, in May 2007 at a national conference in Queensland, we went burdened by the fact that our youngest daughter, Bethany, was away from God. She was not working with God. And so at that conference, a prophetic word came out that... Um, they wanted to pray for leaders whose children were not walking with God. So thousands of people joined around as in small groups around leaders whose children were not walking with God. And we were one of them, laying hands and praying with us in agreement that those children would return. Uh, what happened for us, though, in that conference is that God implanted a conviction in us that when we were to go back to our church, we were to raise that generation, raise another generation. And it later became obvious to me that our heart, which was kind of broken over our daughter Bethany and really concerned about her, was the same heart that God had for that generation. And he was imparting to us his heart 
for that generation. So we came back and uh, we, were, we were probably pastors of an era where children were really not involved. Um, and it was seen that the older group did all the work and the children were just kind of in the background, I guess. And so we had to change our mindset when we came back. We had to change the mindset of the church. We had to bring in an understanding that now we were going to train another generation. And one of the problems is that we didn't have any. So we had a few around, but we didn't have much. And so we had to step into what God had sown in our hearts without much to work with. But we did. We, we started to change the mindset of the church and we began to put strategies in place to do that. And surprise, surprise, they started to come. And the church had great years between 2007 and 2010. The, the, uh, the church grew exponentially. We grew to an excess of 600 people. We were 2% of the population of Albany. And we used to joke, you know, every 50 people who gather, there's one person from, at that stage, it was Trude Street. So what, the reason I point that out is because I want you to see that as you align with God's vision for you and you step into it, even though um, perhaps you may, you may have some doubts about it, as you step into it, then the anointing and the grace of God begins to flow through your agreement with him. And he's able to do far abundantly more within you than you could ever ask or imagine. And that's kind of what happened with us. So God planted a seed in us uh, that was a conviction. And then we began to work with that, and it's become a legacy. Because two years ago, uh, after working for 14 years with this focus to raise up another generation, uh, Jessica, our daughter, and Chafin stepped in as the leaders of the church. That was the generation we were working with. And surrounding them was a group of young adults who could support them. One or two of those were our daughter Bethany, who was away from God and we were so worried about, and her husband Nathan. And Bethany is on the platform today giving us that word. Isn't God so good? Hey, not only did he, yeah, God, you're so wonderful. Not only did he impart his heart to us through Bethany away from God, but then he answered our prayer and she has come back and she is, and Nathan, her husband, are very much part of the team that support Shafin and Jess. Uh, so I, I want to just uh, give you maybe uh, four points about living out your own le legacy, really drawing in some ways from our story. So... The first point would be to live out your own legacy of faith is you have to tune in to what God is saying to you. That happened to us at 2007. When we went to the conference, all we did was have a burden for our daughter. When we came back, we had a burden for a generation. God had imparted that to us. And it was a seed. It was something that we had to work out, but... For you to live a legacy of faith for God, the first thing you have to do is tune in to what God wants of you. And it'll, it'll vary in your seasons of life. But I want to encourage you and I want to pray for you right now that God will give you clarity concerning what he wants you to do. 
no matter what age you are. So let me pray for you. Father, we want to thank you that you can grant clarity to our hearts to know what you want us to do so that we can leave a legacy of faith. So Lord, as each person humbles their heart before you this morning, I ask that you'd impart to them a fresh clarity of their role before you amongst us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Second point would be that you need to be deliberate about that seed. So God plants a seed, but the the principle of the kingdom of God is it begins with a seed, but then it grows. Uh, I I like the scripture that um, Shapin used last week, and I thought I'd read that to you uh, this morning. Jesus said, how can I describe the kingdom of God? And then he goes on, he said, it is like a mustard seed planted in the ground. So the kingdom of God works like this. There's a seed planted in your heart. It might be a seed of faith uh, if you've just come to the Lord. But it might be a seed about something that you will do. And you have to understand it begins, it is an instant, it begins with a seed, takes root. It's a mystery. No one quite understands. When you get that conviction, it will sprout in your heart if your heart is open. And it will begin to grow in you. And it will begin to unfold. But there is an absolute process that you have to go through to see that seed come to the full harvest or the full head of uh, what is intended. Uh, So this means that you just have to walk in a relationship with God of your own. You can't draw from other people's experiences and stories and make that your journey. Your journey is unique to you. It has to be walked out um, before God. So there's a life process of growth. There are dangers, as uh, we read in the Scriptures. Sometimes uh, when you go through a hard time, you can quit, or the seed can be stolen from you, or because of the pleasures of life, the worries of life, you can be distracted, and there are dangers from you from allowing that seed to grow to its whole fullness. Uh, and so you have to take steps of faith, and you have to dodge those dangers and walk the journey so that that seed can grow into the fullness of all that God wants. And, and different seeds are, are, um, have different qualities. So our seed was a 14-year journey before we released Chafin and Jess that we had to persevere in. Uh, other seeds will come about quickly. They might come about in a year or two years or months. Uh, it's, it's related to what God is doing in your heart and related, of course, to what he wants to achieve. So I want to encourage you uh, that you, it's a unique journey. It's walking with God and walking it out. Uh, and things change, don't they? And you have to adjust with the changes. I, when I got up uh, this morning, I put a jacket on because I thought that I'd be wearing a jacket when I preached. And then uh, that was in a heated room. And then I got out in the cold and I went, oh, that's not going to work. So I put a jumper on and a jacket. And then I got here and it heated up and now I've just got a jumper on and the jacket and that's a problem because my glasses are in the jacket and my something else is in the jacket and I'm walking up here without it and so stuff changes that's really the point and you have to go on the journey with God with the changes that go on and keep your eye on God to fulfill that third point stay in church God's legacy comes to pass with the church So the church is God's community, his family, his building, his dwelling place. 
Your legacy works out through your partnership with the church. If you dwell in the house of God, you'll be blessed. And so we've got a couple of scriptures coming up. Psalm 84, 4. Blessed and greatly favoured are those who dwell in your house and your presence. In contrast, Psalm 68, 6 says, But the stubborn and rebellious dwell in a parched land. You know, it's a dry, lonely and boring place to not be part of a family. God designed family for us. Yet a lot of people choose that because they've been hurt or offended in a family or a church family. Being part of a church family isn't just what you can get out of it. It's about what you can give. No one is without church hurts. Oh, if I got you to put your hand up, you've been around church any, any length of time. Have you ever been offended or hurt in church? There'd be hands everywhere because church hurt is common. Church hurt is like normal. No one lives in a church community without getting hurt. Uh, but it's what you do with it that's the key. You can grow through it. You can mature because of it. You can get over it and get on and, and uh, keep going. Or you can isolate yourself. But I want to say to you, isolation is selfish and damaging to both you and to the church that you're meant to be in. So stay in your church. Number four, walk by faith, not by sight. Uh, some situations can be discouraging and you want to quit. Uh, over 14 years of, of raising up um, a new generation, there were plenty of disappointments. There were plenty of hurts. There were plenty of things where you, you would give and then uh, in, in return you'd get hurt. But I want to say to you, Living by feelings is for dummies, okay? If you react to your feelings and the injustices that you suffer, then those feelings will take you out. But the Word of God says we live by faith, not by sight. That's really what it's referring to. If you look around you and you get, you get disappointed or you get discouraged and you let that be the motivator, it will take you out of this journey of following God and fulfilling a legacy of faith. Faith is based on the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Faith means to shape your life around the Word of God, not your feelings. Jesus said it like this, Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. I wanted to say, then when the storms come, you'll stand. But he said, anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. That's what it looks like when you respond by feelings. It's like building your life on sand. When the storms come, the feelings will take you out. So build your life on the Word of God. And so one of our greatest errors is that we ignore God's word. We prefer our own ideas, our own religion, our own traditions. There's a song that talks about our own religion and our own traditions, and then it says, your way is better. And that's the truth. When we elevate, and, and why have I got religion in there? Well, one of the greatest dangers for Christians is that they don't read their Bibles. They just rock up the church and, and they kind of do the Christian life but they lose touch with their Bible. 
and in the process they develop their own religion and their own traditions. And then when the storm comes or the hurt comes or the injustice comes, they start to react to life out of their religion, not what the Word of God says. So the Word of God says, forgive. They say, I'll never forgive. The Word of God says that offence is the bait that Satan uses to take you out. And they say, I can't get over this offence. If things don't change, I'm leaving. They say, so you develop your own religion, your own responses to life. Um, That produces instability and regret. And of course it doesn't work. And you know why? Because it's pride. You know, we like to think we're humble people. But you know, if we choose our way over God's way, we're exercising pride before God. We're saying to God, I know better than you. And you know pride doesn't work. God sets himself against pride. So sometimes we get really disappointed. Oh, it's not working. We need to go back and check what it is we're living rather than the Word of God. We may find ourselves really living our own religion, our own traditions. So my favorite song in this latest season declares your way is better. Your way is better. Let's Let's shape our lives around the Word of God and not allow our feelings to take us out. So in conclusion, I want you to live your own legacy of faith before the next generation. Sow your seeds, your gifts, your callings, your finance, your example and your time and unfold your glory story as you follow God by faith. You know, this church needs people It needs provision and it needs a place. That's the vision. I want to challenge you to be part of the people who live a legacy in this place, who become the people who join together to do God's vision here. I want to challenge you to be the people who are the provision for the vision in this church. Align yourself with the vision and support it with your finances. Support it with the time you have. Support it with the gifts you have. And this church needs a place to gather. And we're coming up to give you an opportunity to make an offering so that this place can be our place. And so I want to encourage you, why don't you pray about being an answer to the vision. Be the people. Be the provision. Make sure we have a place for the house. I want to pray for you now as we finish. Father, we want to thank you that you are our God. And the vision in this house is your vision. And the people in this house are your choice. And you've carefully connected them and carefully woven them in. We want to thank you, Lord, that you've blessed us with many quivers, many arrows in the quiver. And there are multi-generations arising here. And we have great opportunity for a legacy. Lord, we want to humble ourselves before you and ask that you would use us to leave a legacy that imparts something of great value to another generation. And that your church will go from glory to glory and your glory will be recognized from one generation to the next forever and ever. Bless us, help us, strengthen us, Lord, for the journey that you've called each of us to. 
And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Oceans Church podcast. For more information, visit oceans.church.